What's up, fight fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, January 16th, 2023, and this week's episode, Nganu Out, John Jones Returns. We'll be talking about the very, very just headline-breaking news, the return of former light heavyweight champion John Jones against Cyril Ghosn, and the departure of... Uh, current reigning champion Francis Ngannou from the UFC. We'll also discuss uh, this Saturday's UFC event, obviously the middleweight, sorry, light heavyweight clash between Sean Strickland and Nazardin Imavov. And then finally, we'll talk about the latest in MMA news, Justin Gaethje versus Rafael Fiziev, Dana White addressing the media, and cap it off by previewing this Saturday's pay-per-view event, the fight between uh, Glover Teixeira and Jamal Hill, and the fourth fight between Brandon Moreno and Davison Figueredo. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Double G, double G. Hello, sir. How are you doing? Uh, uh, let me just tell you something. I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> That's great. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm laughing because I feel compelled to confess to you a little bit of guilt I'll make it fast. Uh, I was kind of making fun of Kelvin Gastelum last week with his picture of his tooth having fallen out. And I said, oh, you know, he could just wear a mouth guard. Um, I didn't realize that his whole palate had, like, basically been detached <laughs> until I saw the video of his surgery. So apologies uh, for making fun of you, Mr. Gastelum. That was a pretty serious injury. So I don't know uh, <laughs> if you saw the video, but it's, uh, it's pretty gruesome, man. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was horrible, wasn't it? Now, I, I got a question for you. Where were you as all this news kind of broke? You're not talking about Kelvin Gastelum, I take it. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, where was I? Same old, same old, in a, probably in a pit of toys with my son, uh, sneaking a glance at my phone. Uh, also, when it broke, I missed it because that's where I was. So I didn't catch it till later. Um, and I was stunned, shocked, um, truly surprised. And a little bit proud, uh, thinking about the the guts that Francis Ngannou uh, possesses to 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 stick to his guns. So so that's what I was doing. What about you? Were you watching live? Were you on your phone? Uh, you know what? Um, yeah, pretty much. I was just kicking it. I don't usually. Uh, what's it called? I I. I don't always tune in for the prelims. It's a long broadcast, so sometimes I usually have a lot of other stuff to do. So I was just kicking it. I do check in on Twitter. Like, obviously, if something pops off, people get sick finishes. I will check it out. And then, um, you know, obviously, you know, go back to it. But as I'm looking at it and I just see all this stuff about, wait, John Jones, Cyril gone on the side of the T-Mobile. And then it, what's funny is that people are like, "This is this a joke? It's a joke. It's photoshopped. And then you have people know. And then they upload a video to show it's not photoshopped. And I'm like, oh, here we go. And it's like, you knew there was a chance that they're like, well, did they just mess it up? And it's like, no, this is something is going on for sure. And then, you know, Dana White knew the cat was out of the bag. So that's pretty much where we were at. But yeah, I I personally, I mean, let's get right into it, right? Um, uh, Just as straightforward as we can. Dana White comes out and addresses the media. John Jones will be fighting Cyril Gaon at UFC 285 on March March 4th. So the March pay-per-view now has a headliner. 
but perhaps more just groundbreaking, Francis Ngannou has, is no longer with the UFC. He has been released from his contract. The UFC has waived the right to match any offers. And for the first time since 2002, uh, the UFC has let go of a reigning champion or has not come to terms and has parted ways with the reigning champion. What are your thoughts on it? Dude, you know what? It's a little, well, like I said, surprising, shocking, all that stuff. But it's kind of annoying, you know, that the UFC was being so stubborn about this. And the clause, the issue was the boxing, right? That Francis, no matter the money being offered to him to fight an MMA for the UFC, he wanted included in this deal um, the freedom to fight in the boxing ring as well. With an amazing opponent, likely the first one would have been, uh, you know, uh, Fury, Tyson Fury. And I'm just asking myself, why the stubbornness on the UFC's part? Even if Francis loses in a boxing match against Tyson Fury, which is possible, probable, the spectacle, the attention, all that would be amazing. The pay-per-view numbers would break records, right? Maybe not all the records, maybe, but it would break into the top five pay-per-views of all time, I think. So I asked myself, if Conor McGregor had beaten Floyd Mayweather, would Dana White still be so staunchly against this venture, this opportunity? Probably not. So is the concern simply if Francis loses to Tyson Fury, that with that loss in a boxing match, he loses his aura of heavyweight invincibility in MMA for the UFC, right? Is, is that the concern? Or is it just... Just, you know, Dana White saying, no, you fight for me, you fight for MMA, we're not doing this boxing thing ever again. I don't know, man, but I, I, I do think if Conor had beat Floyd, they would be more willing to have these opportunities for their MMA uh, superstars. So it bothers me because you could have had the best of both worlds, and instead you lost Francis, and now he can do whatever he wants. That's great. But Dana White, even though... I didn't like the way Dana White framed this, saying, okay, he wants to go fight lesser opponents for more money. That's kind of a, a, a mean way of putting it. But it's also a little bit true if we're talking strictly about MMA. Because the best heavyweight fighters are in the UFC. Uh, but, and, and so I don't like that, the way he's casting a, a shadow on the future of Francis Ngannou's career. He's already, you know, damping it with his negativity. Um, but there's some truth to the fact that Francis Ngannou will not be fighting the best MMA fighters outside of the UFC if he, if he, you know, now that he's not part of the UFC anymore. Um, but it just seems like sour grapes on Dana White's part and it's just mean. So I don't like that, but I love that Francis is free to do whatever he wants. And I'm looking forward to seeing what it could be, whether it's boxing or MMA, you know, um, I saw Brett Okamoto wrote about, you know, what are the options out there, Tyson Fury or Fedor. Now, I think it's pretty official that Fedor's last fight is against Ryan Bader in February, but, I mean, that could be fun, except, of course, you know, it's it's prime Ngannou versus basically retired Fedor, and so where's the, the actual the competition is not very... Yeah. Yeah, it's not very high there, so... So I get what Dana White's saying. I just don't like it. 
but look, you know how Francis Ngannou feels. If you saw his Instagram, he posted a video of some dude doing some crazy acrobatics, uh, flipping around in the sand, and he says, that's how I feel. So I'm happy for him. Um, and then as far as Jones, Cyril gone goes, like, yeah, <laughs> that's a great matchup. It's not what we wanted, but I think John Jones against anyone in the top four of the heavyweight division would have been exciting and, and will be exciting. So, okay, let's see how that goes. We can talk about, we can break that fight down when the time comes, but um, what do you think here about why Dana White didn't let Francis Ngannou do that boxing, uh, have that boxing opportunity? Um, for the reasons you just outlined, I think that there's a, uh, I think it's twofold. I think one, you don't want to devalue your heavyweight champion that you're about to pay gangbusters for, right? Yeah. Secondly, it's all about, remember, while this is a fun fight and it does bring attention to UFC, you have to remember that takes one of your biggest draws off of the board. I believe they said the three biggest events last year, um... I think the Adesanya pay-per-view was one. I forget what was the second one, but I believe third was John, not John Jones, Francis Ngannou and Cyril Gan in January. So you got to think, you know, that card, you know, even though you had Brandon and Figueredo, really the hook was Ngannou versus Gan, and that was a big fight. So you're talking about one of your top draws in the company and taking him off the board, likely for the majority of the year if not you know you maybe get one more appearance out of him i think that it, on Ngannou's side you know he did that big interview with ariel helwani he released his uh youtube videos a big part of it was about you know he, he talks about that freedom and he talks about look you know the ufc you know i was trying to make these he, he was trying to you know do what i always say like secure the bag UFC hey we're trying to do all this other stuff they put him on the sidelines while they waited for Daniel Cormier and Stipe and then Nganu he's like look I've been knocking guys out in 30 seconds I'm not hurt let's go instead UFC has plans they make him wait etc etc then with this stuff with Cyril gone you know he felt like hey I'm hurt it kind of feels like they're looking to set this fight up and then if I lose then I get you know maybe a little short changed I don't get the biggest deal and you know it kind of almost makes it convenient for them okay they don't have to say they lost the best guy in the world you have this new phenom and Cyril and all this so I think a big part of it was like look you know understanding the business I want that freedom to box I want to get paid what I deserve etc etc yeah now UFC what I will say, they really went at this, uh, you know, the one thing about UFC is that it's about the brand first. And they have become a titan of sports. Obviously, the, you know, unquestioned leader in MMA. Essentially, by treating it as like, look, no one is bigger than the brand. No matter how popular you are, etc., etc. UFC tries to do, like every company, I think at some point tries to do, make the most money while spending the least they can in costs. Right. I think that the UFC saw it as, look, obviously Ngannou and Jones is big. They they know what they are letting walk away. Let's make that clear. They said, look, we have a show to run. 
As always, the show must go on. I, I heard Eri Hawani say Nganu's knee getting better just wasn't quite ready for March. Okay. All right. Most likely, we, we talked about this. Who could headline March if not, you know, Jones and Nganu? The pickings were very slim. A right. lot of guys are either booked or just not ready. Same for the girls. So you kind of got the impression it was going to always be John Jones versus somebody. Just because yeah. of the way the schedule worked out. If I had to put my finger on it, both sides, what's the, you know, his side, his side, what's the truth in the middle? Probably the boxing thing was a big deal. 40 even, okay, let's say he doesn't make Conor McGregor 100 million versus Floyd. Yeah. 50 million, 40 million, that is way more than he's getting for a UFC, plain and simple. Of course, yeah. Secondly, you got to think he told them, Dana, you know, or just UFC, Hunter, whoever he's talking to, March just isn't going to happen. Can we do April or May? UFC probably was like, look, we just can't do it. We got a show to run. We have obligations to meet. And they just said, you know what? Can you do it? And it's like, I'm sure there was a little bit of talk like, could Nganu fight hurt again? Maybe. Probably said, no, not doing it. And they just let it go. Nganu did say in that interview with Ariel, I, you know, they have offered very tempting money. So I do think it just, at the end of the day, it was about that freedom. He knows how this works, and he wanted to secure the bag for himself. UFC said, we have our own business to run, and it just doesn't coincide with the, with the Nganu business. Yeah. I don't think it was about competition. I don't believe that for one second. I think, honestly, UFC had their plans. Nganu had their plans, and Nganu just held firm that he want, he knew what he wanted, and UFC said, we know we know how we run our business. Yeah. And sadly, the prospect of promoting Jones versus Nganu, the prospect of getting the exposure from a potential fight with Tyson Fury just wasn't worth it to them. And I think that's very unfortunate. Like I said, this hasn't happened since 2002, certainly in the modern era, certainly for you know, quite bluntly, one of the most exciting fighters, one of the most, um, I think, great ambassadors of the sport we have right now. I mean, Francis Ngannou, scary power, absolutely um, one multilingual, you know, just ambassador and gentleman to have, you know, as one of the faces of the sport. And now he's, uh, you know, the baddest man on the planet just let the UFC. And, and I'm just very shocked. I have nothing else to really say about that. I think that that's the situation. And I'm just shocked that in the end, the, you know, the UFC did not feel like the whole was greater than the sum of the parts. Yeah, it is. It's still shocking that they really, you know, he's Dana White says, oh, we've been working on this deal for two years. Okay. And that he, you know, Francis went to, you know, bajillion dinners with Hunter Campbell. But like, come on, guys, like. This is Francis Ngannou. He's a big deal. He's the biggest deal in heavyweight. At heavyweight, I just feel like I would do whatever it took to keep keep him. Now, if the boxing thing, you know, it really was the deal breaker, like get more creative then. Do something. Like sign him to a six month deal. Right? Two fights in six months. Then you do your boxing. You're not a UFC fighter. When you're done with that, come back if you want. The the doors open. Like 
be a little bit flexible, but like just sitting on your haunches and saying, no, 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 but here's money. Like all we're going to give you is more money. You, you, you know, he can, Dana, Dana White and, and the powers that be can think they did everything they could, but just offering more money is not, is not the answer. Like get creative. Let's be thoughtful. Let's have some, show some, uh, some new, some nuance. I think more could have been done. So I think it's dumb. It was a dumb move to let him go, despite their claims of trying for so long and trying so hard. Um, and and that's it. it. It was it was silly because Nganu Jones would have been amazing. Again, Jones, anybody right now in heavyweight is still going to be awesome. But come on, like that would have been freaking crazy. So honestly, I look at all the fights you could make right now. Um, th- th- this was the number one fight without a question. Of course, it, yeah. it was uh, Hamza versus. Kamaru, Hamza versus Leon, Hamza versus Adesanya, Hamza versus Pereira. Um, not bigger than Jones and Ganu. Nope. Just plain and simple. I, I just, you know, even other fights that you could think of, you know, I, I just, Jake Paul, even if you do Jake Paul versus Nate in MMA, not bigger or better than Jones and Ganu. I just, um, yeah, I, I'm really shocked. I'm honestly disappointed for both sides. I think that Ganu... Did deserve to get a deal done. I thought that UFC, once again, I I, I want to talk about the biggest fights possible. Um, I know that business is business, but, you know, I want to see how big these things can get. You know, I want to see a stadium. I want to see this and that. So I am disappointed, to be quite honest with you. Um, I want to point out a couple things. Tyson Fury is locked into talks with Alexander Usyk. Essentially, to unify all the belts, Usyk has, I believe, the four he took off Joshua. I believe Fury carries one. They're in talks to headline Wembley or Saudi or Stadium Saudi Arabia for all five first. And quite bluntly, as big as this would be for sure for Fury as well, Francis Ngannou is a number two option. Yeah, he's looking to get those belts and have history, the lineal champion. Have those belts that, you know, Lennox Lewis and Mike Tyson and everybody else got to carry. That's what his priority is. So you're talking, even if they get this done for April, May, you're talking, you're probably not getting in there with Nganu until September, October at the earliest. Yeah. So that means what's Nganu doing? I know you could say, oh, well, what about Deontay Wilder? What about? Once again, we didn't go through all this for the number two fight. We went through this for the number one fight. Yeah. So what happens there? You know, if Tyson Fury does happen, you're going to have to accept that it may be a while. And there's just not non-negotiable on that. Secondly, let's talk about Cyril Gaon, John Jones. This is still a great fight. Obviously, Cyril, for a heavyweight, his movement and his technicality as a striker, very just fun to watch. He bounced back. He knocked out Taitu Ivasa after being rocked, mind you. Yeah. Um, obviously, he did have, uh, you know, he struggled in the wrestling against Nganu in January. You talk about John Jones likely to be the smaller man in the cage, despite all the lifting he's done over the last two years. Is he the same guy, you know, how does he stack up stylistically against Cyril after the layoff, at this stage of his career, et cetera, et cetera. That's obviously the real key question. I want to point out, the wrestling in MMA, even for the bigger guys who, you know, 
they don't always have to be the best wrestlers. When you're that big, you don't have to be that good. You just kind of sit on people because you're so big. Yeah. <laughs> that said, the grappling in general for everybody has gone up since John Jones was taking people down and dropping elbows like in 2011. So I do acknowledge while Nganu on bad knees was able to wrestle Cyril, this is a much bigger guy doing this. Can John Jones do those things against a guy like Cyril at this stage of the game? That's really the key question. You got to think Cyril's worked on his takedown defense. You know he's keeping that in mind for a fight against John Jones. Um, this is obviously a lot of questions. John Jones wins the heavyweight title. That GOAT conversation just starts getting further and further between him and everybody else. He loses. Well, then UFC really is going to have to address the question, was it all worth it with all this with Nganu? And we may not know that until later in the year, but I think that that's all worth addressing. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, man, it's 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 just a wild moment in you know heavyweight ufc mma um and you're right that that was the that was the matchup jones and ganu jones and ganu jones and ganu heavyweight is still the golden division right like that's through the history of boxing throughout the history of boxing and mma that's always been the main one like that's the one that brings in the people from all over the walks of life that don't follow the sport regularly, whether it's boxing or MMA, it's like these two giant dudes that knock each other out are going to fight. You're going to want to see this. So it's just disappointing. I mean, I don't, I don't have a problem saying never. I'm not one of those people that says I hate to say never. Um, but like, it's hard for me to accept that we're never going to see Jones and Ganu. You know, there were some other disappointing, never going to seize Khabib Tony. <laughs> uh, even Cyborg. Don't, don't bring that up. That still hurts. <laughs> Cyborg Nunes, right? Like that one wasn't, that that wasn't like the one I won't bring up again because that one was actually, you know, that one that we will shall not speak of was scheduled so many times. We all know the story. Cyborg Nunes, it just, just whatever. It was never that close, but it's still one of those awesome ones we're never going to get to see. We may never get to see Cyborg Harrison, but let's not pretend those are as big a deal as Jones and Ganu. Um, and so the only thing I can, you know, sort of find refuge in, uh, some comfort in, I should say, is that John Jones was never a heavyweight fighter. So this was a little bit pie in the sky, a little bit of spectacle because we're waiting so long for him to even prove that he was actually going to compete at heavyweight and it wasn't just talk. But then he vacated the belt and we still had to keep waiting. And so maybe as time passes, I will lament this loss less. Um, but, you know, right now it stings. And and as far as Nganu goes, having to wait is, is the way you played it out, like still having to wait so long to see him fight anybody in any in any type of combat sports arena, that stinks too. Like, you know, you feel like UFC let him go and that we should be able to see him like, boom, let's go, like go fight somebody right now. Show show the world how, how you know valuable you are and we still have to wait. So, okay, fine. Um, how is Nganu going to keep his 
star status, you know, alive and well while we wait, you know, he's probably not even worried about that. But I want to see more of him during this period while we're waiting and maybe he can find a creative way to, to keep himself in the limelight a little bit, you know, uh, YouTube channels and podcasts sound like uh, an eye rolling thing maybe because everybody does it, but they're still very effective ways of, of showing the world who you are and how you live your life. So in any case, that's what I'd like to see from him is just maybe, you know, put yourself out there more so we can get a sense of what you're doing while you're waiting for that big fight to come in. Gone Jones. It is going to be a great fight. Cyril Gone is a crazy, crazy good heavyweight fighter. For his size, the things he can do with his striking is amazing. And Ganu surprisingly neutralized him with wrestling on a busted knee. But I think Gon probably has some answers for that now. And again, like you said, you know, John Jones, for all the weight you lift, like you weren't born a heavyweight. You had to work your way up to it. And genetics are genetics. So, you know, if you're John Jones, do you think this is a better matchup for me? Or do you think man, this is worse because if I lose to Gon, I'm losing to the number two heavyweight guy out there. What would have happened if I fought the number one heavyweight guy? So just some things to ponder. But I will not uh, be a sore loser about the fact that we still have a great fight at heavyweight, and I'm still very excited about it. Uh, I completely agree with you. And uh, I, also on the other points, too, um, I would argue that Cyril is actually a slightly more difficult opponent for John than Francis for the simple fact that Cyril's movement he is more likely to be a less stationary target I think yeah. that Nganu he kind of pursues getting into that pocket Cyril similar to a guy like Adesanya he is happy to just stick and move and use that brilliant footwork and you know shot selection I think that's a lot harder for a guy like John Jones to deal with than Francis yeah. Nganu um I also think about AJ McKee. He talked about it when he fought Spike Carlisle at 55, said, you know, it's just 10 pounds more and I'm a bigger kid and this and that. And he said, no, I, I was struggling. I was trying to dump him. And it's like, you know, he's just like, this is a 55. And he's saying, man, th this guy's just thick. And it was, it was just hard for him to just lift and dump. And I think that for Jones, it's a lot of the same thing. It's like, you know, obviously he's going to look for it, but if, as soon as these guys start to sprawl and get their hips down and under them, is that going to happen for them? That's the big question. And I can't tell you have the confidence right now that it's going to happen. So that's really where we're at in terms of that. Um, we'll get into X's and O's obviously later on. I'm going to address that. I do believe th there's still the possibility of uh, Nganu coming back. I, I feel like if the things play out, potentially i feel like it's not as done a deal as dana made it sound on saturday i do acknowledge it's it doesn't okay. look good it doesn't yeah. look good but i feel like crazier put it this way if nate diaz if we're saying he might come back i don't think it's out of the question that a francis Ngannou could come back if they okay. see that you know if the fans demand it enough i think that that's a potential and i think that they would I think that they would just try to figure something out. Let's say Nganu this year, he pursues Tyson Fury. 
John Jones beats Cyril, and then he's on the sidelines for a while. Suddenly, 2024, let's do it, right? You know. Yeah. And then Nganu, okay, now I can accept that contract from UFC, or let's negotiate this or that, you know. So I think that's what it is. Also, I want to point out something. It, it's just, it's brought to my attention, and I couldn't help but feel very, it, it just seemed like the missed boat so to speak three african champions to start 2022 i know 2023 when it's a priority zero african champions and yes you could still take kamaru and adesanya there but it's like it would have been popping i know yeah that 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 is a huge missed opportunity and i did think i'm glad you brought it up because i forgot that it did cross my mind too thinking like oh man i you don't have the three mighty, you know, African champions. And, and whether they're champions or not, like, they don't need to go to Africa as champions. But if they're there to fight for the belt, that's freaking amazing. And Dana White's talking about UFC Africa. And, you know, he's probably going to do it now with, uh, you know, a little more um, bob because, you know, how he is. And, and he's going to want to show Francis, look what could have been, right? Um, but, man, yeah, that's 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 sour. It sucks. Uh, but... It is what it is. You know, Francis, if I'm him, I'm thinking, okay, Muhammad Ali, I'm telling Tyson Fury, let's do this in Africa. I'm telling whoever I fight, let's do this in Africa. And and just do it your own way. Uh, so that that's an opportunity too. But yeah, we'll never get to see the, the three, the mighty three. So that's too bad. Yeah, it's... We could have had it all, Natalie. Could have had it all. Where's Frank Sinatra? We, we, <laughs> we could... Nice. We could have had it all, man. Anyway, uh, we've we've talked on it enough. Uh, Sean Strickland, Nazardini, Mavov. That was quite the scrap, if I may say so. Uh, I'm not going to get too far into it so we can speed through it, but five rounds. Nazardine cracked him with a few. Sean Strickland bit down on the... I like that he got after it a little more. He sat down a little more than usual. But the thing that impressed me the most... Four weeks after fighting Jared Cannonier, more or less off the couch, um, 20 pounds heavier, five days notice, went another five rounds, conditioning, durability, all look there. Uh, I, I think a lot of people, I get it. When you listen to Sean Strickland, you draw some assumptions possibly about his work ethic, right? He really impressed me. I thought that that was a solid win considering the context and considering how much Nazardine went after him and kind of forced a fight out of him. I I thought that was a good fight. I thought it could be close again, but I did feel more definitively Sean took this one than the Jared Cannonier fight. Well, what about you? Yeah, man, it was, it was a a really solid fight considering how we got there with the short notice. And yeah, I mean, I had the same thoughts as you, Sean Strickland. It was it was a Sean Strickland boxing style clinic, right? Not 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 to say that Nasserdine wasn't there because, you know, he had some moments of being down, but he was never out, man. He was game. It was a really active fight. But I love Sean Strickland in this fight. He never sat in the corner, like literally during the <laughs> in between rounds. He didn't sit down. It was slow and steady jabbing. That defense, like the way he stands upright. His feet kind of together and a little bit of a Philly roll, a little bit like a semi-Philly shell. It looks like he's going to get beat because he's just standing there. But he's he's 
he's got his own way of moving his head and his feet in a very effective manner that evades, avoids a lot of punches. And it's like one of these guys that you think if you saw him in a gym and you were a coach, you'd be like, no, 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 man, that's not how you stand. That's not how you hold your hands. Like you got to do this, do that. But if you just let a fighter do their own thing and you help them become successful at that specific style, like it, it can be very effective. You know, Dominic Cruz is who I always think of first. So I loved it. It was just this really strong, slick, understated defense, the footwork. He always managed to get out of the way just in time for the most part, of course. You don't go through a fight and not get hit. So to me, it was a great win for Sean off the couch, as you said. But it was still really close. The, the the tough pill to swallow in these situations is when you're the guy that had a full training camp and you lose against the guy that came off the couch. But look, there were different, you know, this was a, a rankings differential, you know, pretty great one. Um, and there was the, the weight differential too, which probably played a lot, uh, had a lot to do with how successful Sean Strickland was with his shots and everything. Nasruddin had moments of, looking a little tired, especially before round five, but his coach, his corner talked to him and he came back, man. He was, he was pushing. He was, he was really digging deep. I was impressed with both of them, but a great victory for Sean. I liked his speech at the end there with, uh, you know, talking about the judging and everything. Was it the judges that he went to go talk to at the end? I, I wasn't sure. I'm not sure myself okay. either, but um, yeah, he just, I get it. He, he has stood by it. He thought he beat Cannoneer, and yeah, that's his prerogative. I also understand where he's coming from. That was a competitive fight. Yeah. Uh, yeah, solid win. I, I'm with you there for Imavov. Uh, I think, remember, very different opponent compared to Kelvin Gastelum with Sean, so you got to acknowledge that, too, for him. He wasn't, this wasn't also supposed to be a gimme, you know? He also mm-hmm. faced a guy who was right there for a title shot last year, so... I, I completely get it. Um, what's next? I like the winner of Marvin Vittori and Roman Delitzi. If Roman gets past Marvin, I know that Sean and Marvin at Extreme Couture, they're kind of Hamzad and Darren Till part two now. Um, Polo Costa stands out to me if they get a deal done. I feel like negotiating for a fight with Sean versus Paolo is much easier than Paolo versus Whitaker understood where Paolo was coming from trying to make the Whitaker fight um I feel like a lot of those things you bring up probably won't come up when you fight Sean Strickland but that's just my opinion but those those two options stand out the most for me for Sean uh later this year what about you I like Paulo Costa I think that's a good one um you know look he says a lot of things (laughs) sometimes you agree with him sometimes you don't and the thing about it is that he's not afraid to get in there and in your face. You saw it with Nasruddin. You know, it worked. It failed miserably against Alex Pereira. But there's something, you know, entertaining and, and kind of, you know, endearing about this approach. Um, you know, getting right up in people's faces and kind of just seeing what happens. Um, and for that reason, I, I, I still enjoy watching him fight. So I like the Paulo Costa fight. Um, he's probably really in the good graces of the UFC right now for stepping up on short notice so he can probably get whatever he wants almost whatever he wants and um, yeah we'll just we'll see what happens Um, but I don't want to forget Imovov because that was a good performance man he really I feel like because of Sean Strickland coming off the couch 
it's easy to forget that Imov was in there, man, and he was giving it his all. He was hitting Sean Strickland with some hard punches. So I'd like to see him get another chance at um at a at a good a good opponent again. Oh, for sure. Uh, I'm with you there. I think he'll uh, he'll be around. I'm not sure how soon after this one, but I, I do agree with you. I think he will be around. Um, what else was I going to bring up? Oh, um, first off, uh, uh, Raquel Pennington, Ketlin Vieira. Uh, uh, scrap, I thought that... Uh, here's the thing. I, I think people sleep on the fact that Ketlin going in, she beat both Holly Holm and Misha Tate, two former champions, two women, I think, that a lot of people thought they just got to get these dubs and they might be able to set up on the name value a rematch with Amanda Nunes. Ketlin looks solid as a contender in both of those fights. And Raquel, I think people... She, she's been up and down, right? She's mm-hmm. had some losses. She had the two losses to Holly Holm. You know, I think people kind of slept on her that she might have been, you know, like... She'd, she'd peaked with the title shot and that maybe she might be kind of relegated out of that top spot. Five-fight win streak now. Did what she had to do. It wasn't the most beautiful performance. It was just a little gritty. Kind of neutralized Ketlin a lot. Kind of scrapped with her when they did have some exchanges. I think control time really was what got the job done. But now you have it. Raquel's on a five-fight win streak. Irena Aldana is out there. Juliana Pena is out there. Um, We've talked about this. I still favor Aldana. Just overall body of work in recent years. I do acknowledge, though, that Raquel could sneak into the conversation if something comes up. What about you? You mean against Nunez? Yeah. Okay. Uh, she could sneak in, but I think it's Aldana's shot. She's next. I don't think it should go to Pennington, and I love Raquel Pennington. I love that fight. It was a scrap and a half, man. Oh, I mean, like, if an injury, mind you. Oh, yeah, but... yeah. Okay, yeah. So, Aldana's next. If there's an injury, yeah, Pennington. I don't think Pena yet. What I wouldn't mind seeing is Raquel Pennington, uh, Raquel Pennington, Raquel Pena or Pennington Pena um, should, you know, like, if, like okay, book Irene and um, Nunez and then on the same card, Pena, Pennington, that would be cool. And then you have, you know. Backups we'll, and all that. Yeah, you have backups. Probably, you know, Pennington deserves the backup slot first over Pena, of course, because they've already fought twice. Um, but, yeah, I mean. That I like. Um, Pennington looked look good, man. Yeah, she's... I, I just... She, I, I love that she always goes in there to fight. Now, the fight against Nunez was a while ago, and she had just come off that gruesome injury where, like, her ATV or something crushed her calf. You know, and so she came back because... She took that title shot because it was offered to her, and she wasn't going to say no, but she wasn't ready for it. Uh, I think she's ready for it now, and she just has to be a little bit patient to get it. Maybe... If not by year's end, then by 2024, you know, at the start of 2024, depending on how willing Nunez is to fight this year. I will say I really love your idea about uh, Pennington Penny on the same card. Yeah. I think that's good. Uh, I'm, I like it. Okay. You know, put a pin in it. Let's go. <laughs> um, it, Umar Nurmagomedov with that nice finish of Howney. Um, you know, I got to say, what is it about the younger Nurmagomedovs? They just got these hands. They like, they like to show off. Yeah, man, they Guzman, do. And Umar, shoulders. it was good. Did you see his shoulders? Yes. They look like implants. I know they're not, but like they're, I've never seen someone with that kind of shoulder. Definition, right? Right. Jeepers. 
um, just just so smooth. I mean, you know, just uh, Dominic Cruz, I think, broke it down really well. Just like, is it the prettiest? No, but you saw the opening and he just followed through with it on the button. And it was like, you know what? I, it, that's They talked about it, that awareness, you know, mm-hmm. not all these beautiful shots are the ones that get the job done. Sometimes it's just, I always say it, it's about fist to face sometimes. Mm-hmm. And he got it there right right on the chin. I liked it. I thought, um, I, I think he's going to sneak up the rankings this year. I think that him, I think that entire Eagle team, you know, you obviously have him coming up now. You got to think he almost feels like, you know, Islam got a belt. Usman and Bellator got a belt. Um, he kind of feels like he's that, the next guy to have to complete the plan, you know, to also get a title, so... And the way he's looking, I mean, I know he's in a competitive weight class, but, you know, he's got as much chance as anybody as they go up the rankings. So I'm with it. Yeah, man. You? It's like easy work for them almost. And, and they're emboldened by the, the victories, you know, that are um, happening in their team. Right. Like you just said, everyone's getting a belt now. And so, like, they know that they're still unique and special compared to the other fighters in the UFC because they have this wrestling that's like from the womb they've been wrestling and their muscles are just built for it and then now they're developing this striking game that you know Khabib didn't quite have but he was still effective with his punches but this is the more sort of refined slick version of of what Khabib was bringing in and so yeah, I think you're right. I think this is gonna. This is like the beginnings, or maybe we're in the middle of the takeover, um, the Khabib team, Eagle team takeover. Um, and I like that win. It was it was sneaky, accidentally sneaky, right? He missed the knee, came in with the hook, a short hook. Why did it work? Well, he's just super strong. He he knows how to channel his energy. Also, you know, unexpected. Those are the ones that get you. So it was a really cool win. And uh, yeah, I think we're gonna see a lot more. You're right. Yeah, it was just uh, it was just so smooth. Um, look, it was solid fight night of fights for a lot of people. This is the return of the um, you know MMA. There'd been a couple smaller events, but come on, this was it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, just uh, you know, before we talk about the other stuff this week, because obviously there was some more discussions to be had. Uh, Justin Gaethje versus Rafael Faziv. I saw this. Someone brought this up. This is the best of the violence weight fights. <laughs> like Gaethje Chandler, Poirier Chandler. It's like, you know, Eddie Alvarez Gaethje. It's like, okay, this is the violence weight category. I'm not going to lie. I'm going with that. This is a great fight. I believe it's March 18th. It's the London card. Um, I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm ready for that violence. I think it's going to be beautiful. What about you? Yeah, man, I don't have to. I don't, I don't need to touch that. I'm. I'm going to just say exactly what you said. That's right. Uh, ready for the violence, baby. Let's go. And, and also, um, they're looking like they're pretty close. It sounded like Dana almost like they're still trying to iron out a few things, but it will be Kamaru and Leon Edwards after all. I know they were talk about the hand. I'm assuming they got it done. I'm assuming. I'm assuming Kamaru's just admitting he's not going to be in there a thousand percent, but he can win this fight. And I'm going to just leave it at that. That's the yeah. only thing I can imagine with the the brace on the hand a few weeks ago. Right. That's all I could think of. Yeah, makes sense. He's like, you know what? 
I'm I'm good enough, ready to go, and that's it. He doesn't want to wait. He probably wants his belt back, and let's get on with it. And he's got two months, so yeah. Let's see how. I, I don't know. I'm not gonna lie. It doesn't make me feel good, but I also acknowledge they go in with bumps and bruises all the time. All the time. Yep. Um, Dana White did address the media. Uh, so pretty much, um, he said essentially, I don't want this to be a thing with all the fighters. So I want to talk to you guys. I do. One, I, I do respect that a lot. I, I'm pretty sure there's some PR people who said, yeah, we're not going to touch that. Just stay in the office. He went out there. He addressed the public. I think probably the biggest thing that came out of it is that when asked about the repercussions of it, Dana White just said that really the only repercussion is in the public eye and that, you know, to step away for 30 days, 60 days... He essentially said, look, I I have a lot of money that doesn't really punish me. So I would just essentially be hurting the UFC. I did feel that that felt a little, you know, uh, I understand where he was coming from. In my mind, the part that I, I think a lot of people thought, well, it's not necessarily a Dana White imposed sanction, but an endeavor possibly saying, like we just can't have this guy as the face you know we we just can't do it right we just have to have some kind of action i don't know if it that means to say remove him the from the position which a lot of people said they don't you know one it would it didn't warrant it with the context of it in terms of like in-house but i did acknowledge that like it kind of felt like, well, what if someone else in charge, because you technically doesn't own the UFC. He's paid by Endeavor now, right? If I'm not mistaken. Right. It did make me acknowledge there could be something like the powers that be take more action. I felt like that was the only thing that didn't seem to ever really come up. What about you? Yeah, it didn't. And like, I think about this and the hypocrisy is pretty vast, right? There's, I'm going to butcher the name, but it's like the Women's Caucus of California or something. Yes. They put out this statement saying Endeavor should, should fire Dana White. You know, okay. But what I, what was identified, part of what was identified in that um, request was how quickly and swiftly Endeavor condemned Kanye West for his anti-Semitic remarks, right? And those were words. But then Dana White hits his wife in public, it's caught on video, and Endeavor says nothing. (laughs) And like, that's shocking. And so what the heck is that about, right? Is that just simply a money thing that it was not gonna cost them a lot of money to, you know, lose ties with Kanye West and whatever percentage they were getting from that relationship, uh, as opposed to, you know, firing Dana White and and what? Like, I don't get it because I'm not saying that that's the answer. I'm just saying the silence is is what bothers me, right? Acknowledge it. Say something. Don't just pretend that it's out of your hands. The UFC is not going to implode without Dana White, right? Like, I. Have you ever quit a job and and you have all the sweet goodbyes and the sentimental exchanges? Oh, we're going to miss you. It's not going to be the same without you, blah, blah, blah. But then by the next Monday, 
Nobody's thinking about you. They're yeah, just they, doing they, their they job. Go back, yeah, people go back to work. They go back to work. The world goes on just fine without you. Nobody's irreplaceable, man. Nobody. Even if you're the founder, part of the, the story of, you know, not the founder. He wasn't, but, you know. Oh, the, yeah, the, he's such a part of the fabric. I get a, you. Right, of course. It doesn't matter. Like, you were going, you were going to leave at some point anyway, right? And again, I'm not saying this because I think he needs to be fired. I'm just saying, like, the hypocrisy of not even having this conversation of, of Endeavor and, and, well, who else? ESPN. Not even willing to just talk. Not even willing to put out a statement. Now, yeah, Dana White did the right thing by coming out immediately. I mean, he had to. It was on video. He had to. And then talking to the media. I'm glad he did. I'm glad he's saying what, what is plainly obvious, which is there's no defense of his actions and there never will be and it will forever be a part of his life. And that's, you know, going to be added to the definition of Dana White, right? That, that's, that's always going to be part of his story. He did this with the UFC. He did this with combat sports. And then there's this video where he did this to his wife. But I just don't buy his story of if I leave, people are out of jobs, the UFC loses money, blah, 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 blah. That's not going to happen. And if you're really worried about it, you know, not Dana White specifically, because why would he do that for his himself? But like, you know, the Endeavor, other members of the UFC, like build the company so that no one person, um, the absence of no one person, you know, leads to the downfall of the company. I think it's already like that, like I said, but it's just a stupid argument. Um, but you know, because no one is, he doesn't have to answer to anyone. No one's going to come out over the top and say, no, Dana White, you're wrong. The UFC will be fine without you. And so we're just left with this. He's again, he's doing the right thing by talking and being relatively honest, forthcoming with his thoughts. We don't have to agree with everything the man says. Um, but I'm glad he's, he's was willing to talk to the media I think, hopefully, that will open the door for the media being able to continue this conversation with him. You know, last week we said, who's going to be able to talk to Dana White about this in the UFC and in the MMA media without getting, you know, punished for it? I think this means that they can talk to him about it, and it's not going to be a taboo subject, um, but it will always be shut down in the end with, you know, I had to stay uh, because this company cannot go on without me. So I don't know. What do you think? Uh, uh, should he be punished in some way or is this enough? I acknowledge that uh, first off, if one, if an endeavor or someone said that there's some kind of punishment, it would just kind of like, we've seen things happen for a lot different reasons. Um, I'll point it out. Um, the Chris Harrison with The Bachelor comes to mind. I mean, mind you, he didn't put hands on anybody. He just said something that, um, quite bluntly, was just a little tone deaf. Uh, um, and he got removed from, you know, a show that he was hosting for like 20-some years. So I, I do acknowledge it's like, okay, you know, it's not unheard of that, like, someone drops the ball and, the, you know, the climate kind of just says, no, nah, you're just not going to... You don't get to keep the job, plain and simple. We've seen this plenty of times with ambassadors, hosts. Uh, Kevin Hart and the Oscars was a whole thing, even though I acknowledge the context of that. It was kind of like retroactive 
because it didn't exactly say something new. It, it was more him asking to address previous comments that he'd apologized for and this kind of whole deal. And, you know, I know he acknowledged after the fact I should have just apologized again, but in the moment he didn't, and that's why he didn't host Oscars. I acknowledge that people have lost jobs over comments and stuff like that that became public. Um, in terms of the Dana White thing, I go back to it. There's not an ongoing investigation. He's not in going to court with his wife over, you know, an arrest that happened. It got caught on video. He made his statement. His wife made his statement. And now really what we're reacting to is the, the fact that we saw it happen. But there's not a crime. They're not. There's no police reports and charges over this. You know what I mean? So I acknowledge yeah. that that part of it makes it difficult. But once again, I go back to the Chris Harrison thing. What he said was not a crime, but he still lost his job. You know. Um, and once again, it, it was not right what he said. But you know, I acknowledge it. Did he commit something that sends you to jail? No. Nope. So it. With this, with Dana White, I do acknowledge, like, there is a... Could punishments come in? I mean, obviously, but I acknowledge that for Endeavor, once again, this is removing someone who's integral to the fabric. Yes, UFC will go on. Yes, and all this. I will say that the transfer of power, if he were to, for whatever reason, not be UFC president tomorrow there would be a learning curve to get everybody who is already in that position to actually, you know, fill the void immediately. And I think that's my one thing that I would come down to. But yeah, from the looks of it, you know, they're just... Look, he's kind of like on probation, right? Obviously, anything happens, I expect action to come very quickly. But once again, I don't ever want to see... I'm not... Like, oh, well, when it happens, no, I don't want to see that happen for anybody. Obviously, right. for the obvious, I don't want to hear that anyone gets hurt and all this and that. So, you know, but I will acknowledge that, yeah, I'm sure that the powers that be, they're like any little hiccup. Obviously, things may get rolling a lot faster. Yeah, yeah. That's and fair. then um, I, I do acknowledge, I know that ESPN is kind of, you know, we we addressed it last week. Fred Okamoto went out there and, you know, I think he kind of felt the need to respond to the criticism I've seen him get online. And I want to acknowledge that. I think I acknowledge that he's also in a difficult position. All the ESPN staff talking about it. But yeah, yeah, I I do want to acknowledge I did see that and hear that. And, you know, once again, I I understand the position he's in and I want to acknowledge that. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, nothing quite more to add. The Power Slap League does air this Wednesday, and I'm sure it's going to be, you know, everyone's addressed it already. The It's not lost on anybody, the timing. But look, it, the show goes on, and this is where we're at. Uh, before we, or sorry, did you have something to add? Just, just the, the, like, the Power Slap League thing. I feel conflicted about stuff sometimes because it's like, look, can we not just separate these two things? Like, yeah, it's terrible timing and it's, it just looks bad and all that stuff. But this power slap league is its own thing and you can make all the jokes you want. They're there. Um, but also, you know, this current culture, the cancel culture, as people call it, like 
it does get a little extreme sometimes. And so if we were to put ourselves in the extreme cancel culture world, what would have happened? He would have gotten fired. The show would have been pulled and who knows what else would have happened. So let's just take a step back and realize like the power slap league is its own thing. And it's not Dana White standing there, you know, slapping people or being slapped. It's people that are committed to this uh, athletic, uh, I don't know what you call it, endeavor. I mean, and and I think it's just, we just got to leave it alone. And so I actually do appreciate that they're letting it be its own thing. And, and it is what it is, right? It's not their fault and they shouldn't be punished for it. So um, I guess what I'm really advocating for is not having extreme reactions, but just taking the time to think about things and applying common sense wherever you possibly can. And so the common sense for me lines up with the common sense for TBS and everybody else involved that that thing should keep going. I mean, uh, I will say, and you guys are going to see content from me. I talked to the power slap, you know, men and women. Um, uh, to be quite blunt with you guys, uh, you know, I know there's this talk and I know that people have their opinions about it. These guys are, all, you know, competing, you know, I think people are under this assumption, well, you guys are trying to create this thing. It's like, all these participants, there was an audition. They said, do you want to be on TV and make money? Uh, is this a crime? Or, right, I feel exactly. like people are kind of like punishing them. And I'm like, all of you guys seem chill. Like, I get it. I mean, I'm going to just say this. Uh, one, yes, I've seen the slapping. It doesn't seem like a smart idea. Nope. Neither does getting punched and kneed and kicked in the head objectively. But okay, I I kind of get it, right? You mm -hmm. can actually protect yourself at all times. Um, did people say a you know what's his name? Uh, Stevo Johnny Knoxville. Why are you guys cracking each other in the you know down low and doing all this other stuff? Man, they're getting paid. No yeah. one's forcing them to do it. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the slap guys. No one's forcing them. They're like, you know, hey, you guys want to make money, be on TV? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> like we're doing... I'm sorry, but ladies and gentlemen, you've never heard of the men in your lives doing something maybe not smart just for the horsing around? Yep. The, and you're telling me these guys are getting paid for it? They're not just, you know... I hate to say it, people get into slap fights for free in the backyard just because they get too bored. <laughs> the fact that these guys are making money and getting to some TV time out of it, psh, uh, power to you, man, you know? Yep. Like I said, I'm willing to bet. But I know people out there have just slapped each other for free. If you ask me, these people are smart, so I don't hold it against them. I'm glad that, that for them, the show is going on right. and they get to... You know, like the word, everything they got to do when they signed up, it's completing now. They get to be on TV. Mm -hmm. So in that way, I, I like it. And, you know, whatever happens, happens. Maybe it's renewed for another season. Maybe not. But they get what they were promised. And that that's what I care about. Um, Before we talk about UFC 283, I want to talk about, obviously, Bellator announcing the Grand Prix. First off, AJ McKee re-signs with Bellator. I'm going to just say this. Remember how when he lost to Pitbull, I said he most likely lost his chance at getting that max deal from UFC? Yeah. I think that's essentially what it came down to. I'm sure UFC made an offer, 
but it wasn't going to be as good as the Bellator offer. Kind of like with PFL and Kayla Harrison, uh, Scott Coker said, look, we offered big money, but in the end, it was more worth it for them to keep Kayla than to let us take her for the money we offered. And maybe there is a little bit of an overpaying aspect to it, but once again, you're talking about arguably one of the top unsigned talents, non-UFC talents in the world, and they essentially made the deal to keep him. I think that AJ, he's still not 30 years old. Even if he's in Bellator three more years, he'd be much younger than Michael Chandler when he came in to UFC. If it happens, it happens. But I think that he made the best deal for himself at the time. I'm sure he's getting paid a lot more than what UFC offered up front. So I do like that for him. I'm sure it makes the tournament more intriguing to have him now. And then with the Grand Prix, uh, they've announced several names. Obviously, Usman Nurmagomedov, Benson Henderson, Sydney Outlaw. You've got Tofik, You've got Patrick Shabili. You've got Patricky Pitbull. You've got Musayev. I always butcher his name, but Barna Ui um, from Europe. So you have a lot of options. You have a lot of solid talent. They announced some of the matchups. Obviously, Usman's in the first round on March 10th in San Jose against Benson Henderson. Barna Ui and Sydney Outlaw are in Paris in March. Musayev and Shabali are in March. The only one, and I, I do like this one in the opening round, Patricky Pitbull and AJ, they still don't have a date for it. I'm sure they're going to headline a card late March, early April to coincide with the timing. What are your thoughts? This is this is fun. You know, I like these uh, Bellator Grand, P- Grand Prix <laughs> tournaments. And uh, this is a good matchup. It definitely would not have been the same without AJ McKee. So I'm glad that they all came together and, and worked it out. And and I agree with you on AJ McKee staying at Bellator, probably impacted by his loss to Pitbull. Um, and, and that's fine. It happens. He's still young. And, yeah, the comparisons are easy to make. Michael Chandler was older when he came to the UFC. And he still, you know, made a great make – great, making great waves – um, and so this is good. You know, if I'm AJ McKee, I think, all right, I get to make a lot of money now, continue beating guys up. And when my contract's up, if I want to try for the UFC, I can have already, you know, made a good amount of money before that. And we'll see what they offer him now or whenever his contract's up. So it's a smart move. Bellator gets to keep their, their, their main guy. This matchup, uh, sorry, excuse me. The lineup for the tournament is good. I feel for Benson Henderson, man, because I love him, and and I think this uh, Usman matchup, it makes sense. You want the champ against a big name, but it's going to be a tough one for him. So that was uh, something else I was thinking about when I when I saw this all. So otherwise, though, it's it's going to be fun. They're always fun, man. I I just um, I'm not sure of the pacing on this one. Sometimes the pacing is a little bit too slow, and uh, hopefully they keep this one moving along at a good at a good rate. No, I'm with you there. I, I hope it looks like they're trying, but once again, injuries and timing, right? That's yeah, what always yeah. kills all of these. I like the matchups, especially AJ and Patricky. I think that obviously creates for a little bit of a a fun thing with Patricio. Obviously, I want to see Usman. If Usman holds on to the belt through this tournament, I could see UFC trying to make a play. I will say though, I think that Bellator will break open the bank. They'll bust open the bank to keep Usman Nurmagomedov if he wins this tournament. I think that when you look at what he did to Patricky, 
if you know his status his name I, I feel like Bellator will make big moves to keep him you also keep in mind he's a lightweight unless Islam Mahachev loses and moves up retires etc he's not likely to want to conflict with him so I, I do acknowledge that but you got to think Usman would be a big get he he would definitely be very highly pursued by everybody if he wins this tournament. So I think it makes for a very interesting one. I like it. I'm hoping... I would have thought AJ McKee in California, but uh, I'm sure they're going to just give him his own card and just keep it rolling. But that, cro- you know, that crossed my mind. Quick note, uh, PFL announced a European series... Essentially, it's not like the Challenger Series where they find people to join the company. There's a little bit of that, but it's its own tournament. 32 fighters, and they're competing for 100,000. And this one specifically is on DAZN. We talked about it. DAZN is really big in Europe. They don't really have sports that appeal to Americans, so that's why it didn't take off in USA. What are your thoughts on this one? It's fun. I mean, you know, I like that they're... I'm assuming that financially they have the funds, the means to keep expanding in these ways. And it's just smart business, you know, open up, open yourself up to other markets. And, um, I think that they're probably, you know, their brand has been bolstered by this Jake Paul, um, signing. And so they're riding off the coattails of that news and the attention that they've gotten from that news. So I like it. Um, the zone, I, yeah, the zone thing, you know, was so interesting when it first hit the U.S. and there was all these big signings with Canelo and um, Anthony Joshua and then, you know, Bellator was on there. Like, I was very excited about this platform. It's sort of um, on my periphery now, and so I think it's worth checking out again to see what their offerings are. But, but yeah, as far as Europe goes, I think this is going to be a big a big deal for PFL. Yeah, I think that um, you've seen it with uh, Bellator. It almost sometimes it feels like Bellator Europe is a different company from mainland Bellator. Totally. You know? Yeah. And so I feel like that's just a thing. There's just such this demand and huge market. It's literally whole other half of planet Earth that they're like, well, you know, like we have so many people. Let's just make it its own thing and promote it to the the world over there. And I find that you know. The top talent, they decide they want to come to the, you know, the main line, the mothership. Okay, if not, completely great way to make a living over there. So I, I don't mind it. I think it's very interesting. But it just goes to show their roots. I think people are like, well, could PFL sustain this? They're working like a company that has deep roots already. Like, this isn't the move that a company makes when they're going somewhere. You know what I mean? So Yeah. I like it in that way. With the Jake Paul thing, I think it sets up for a very interesting 2023. I think PFL could really make shockwaves. Not for nothing. I thought about this. Let's say let's say Nate Diaz doesn't happen. Imagine Francis Ngannou versus Antti D'Elia. Co-main event, Jake Paul, Mike Perry. PFL pay-per-view. Yeah, I mean. Does it sell? Heck yeah, it sells. <laughs> and imagine Jake Paul, Nate Diaz, Francis Ngannou on the card. Yeah, I mean, that's... Oh, psh. shut yeah. it down. It's almost too much star power. Like, like uh, if I'm a PFL, I'd be like, 
you got to separate this because I think the the three of them together bring in a lot of pay-per-view dollars. But if you separate them, you know, Jake Paul and Nate Diaz and Francis Ngannou and somebody else, I feel like their separate pay-per-view dollars added together would be more than the three of them on the same card. Am I, am I just making up MMA math wrong here? Or no, you're not? not wrong. I think it depends on how much does PFL want to try to like you know, land that haymaker at UFC. I'm not saying they'll win the fight. Yeah. But, you know, like... They'll win the oof. battle. <laughs> yeah. No one's going to be talking about UFC that night. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, nobody. And, and, and yeah, the, to be able to put on a poster on a marquee, Nate and Francis, the two rebels, the you know, two of the greatest, you know, UFC rebels who said middle finger to you, I'm going to do this my own way. That is something else for sure. I'd buy that T-shirt, that poster, and that fight. There you go. See, here we let it, we're getting <laughs> rolling, Natalie. Um, obviously, UFC 283, uh, Rio de Janeiro, first time in Brazil since the onset of the pandemic. Um, crazy to think about. Um, yeah, obviously a solid card. You got Neil Magny, Gilbert Burns, Gregory Rodriguez. Uh, Lauren Murphy, Jessica Andrade, so a solid undercard, but obviously a lot of the talk is going to be on these top two fights. Uh, starting from the bottom up as usual, number four, Brandon Moreno, Davison Figueredo for the flyweight title. I'm sorry, all the marbles. I don't care if they fight to a draw again. I do not want to see number five. Pantoja's out there. Uh, Manel Cape is out there. Let's see something new. Um... They've turned in three solid fights before, and they've all three looked good. Brandon had the most dominant performance in number two, but Davison obviously came back to have a great fight in number three, retain, regained the title. I think this makes for a lot of fun. I think the real question is going to be, does Brandon feel similar to Sean Strickland? Can he win a fight where he's got to really scrap and bite down and throw heavy punches because I think that was the biggest thing in number three is that Brandon kind of was trying to stick and move and counter but all the damage because Davison hit so much harder just kept Davison ahead in that fight on the scorecards can Brandon really do the damage and slow Davison down if it becomes another competitive scrap that's the biggest thing for me I think that Davison proved he can grapple with Brandon obviously Brandon gets on top of you he's a very very good uh, grappler, but Davison is no slouch also. Obviously, they've proven twice now they can hang with each other for five rounds. Conditioning's not a big deal. Um, I, I think it just makes for such a fun fight in this way. The X Factor, uh, Brandon worked with Saif Saoud out of Fortis MMA because he couldn't work with, with James Krause. So a couple X Factors, but to me, that's the biggest one. Can Brandon do the damage to slow down Davison? What about you? This is a great question because I'm not sure. You know, I'm thinking about Kai Car France and how much of an advantage he Kai was having against Moreno on the feet up until that uh, liver. It was a liver kick, I think, yeah. or a liver. But yeah, with those toes right in there. Yeah, and not that's not a lucky shot, right? You have to be well trained and be aware of your body and your power and the position of your opponent to be able to cause some kind of fight finishing damage like that. But he was getting beat by Car Car France, Kai Car France on the feet, which um, I wasn't expecting, despite knowing how well, you know, France's striking is, how good his striking is. 
So I'm not sure if, if Moreno can do enough to stall, delay, um, you know, neutralize Figueredo on the feet. And then, as you said, Figueredo does have answers for Moreno now, or always has probably, on the, on the back, on the, on the ground anyway. So this is interesting. You know, it's a, it's a tough one. Figueredo, I think about just the killer that he is and how he came out against um, Benavidez in the second fight where he was just like, no, 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 no. We're going to finish this one real fast. Watch. And this is number four. I think Figueredo probably wants to put uh, a nail in the coffin here on this one and and uh, and say I'm the I'm the, I'm the best. I'm the better of the two. Here you go. So I think he's gonna come out strong and try to finish Moreno. The good thing about Moreno is that he's supremely stu- tough, uh, supremely uh, crafty, intelligent, and scrappy, and all these things together. Can keep him, I think, alive. I can keep him in a five-round fight with Figueroa, even if Davison's intentions are to finish this early, which I, I really do believe they are. Uh, that being said, I'm looking at the odds here, which I don't usually follow, but they're 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 even or they're tied. I don't know what the correct terminology is. It's mm-hmm. uh, at least on the UFC's uh, website, it's minus one ten for both. Um, so, so pretty even. Pretty yeah. pretty darn even, I'd say. Um, so. You know, I think uh, I think Moreno's going to be able to do enough to stay alive and go to five rounds to to stay with it for five rounds, even though Figueroa's going to be putting on the pressure. But I feel like Figueroa's going to be able to inflict more damage. I think he'll get the decision, um, and and that'll be win number th- three. No, win number win number two, three for Figueroa. Now I'm getting. They had a draw, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so this would be the second win for second Davison. Win. So I think he's going to get it. I'm not totally convinced here because these guys are just so tough and unpredictable. But I think Figueredo will win by decision, even though he's going to be gunning for a knockout. Um, but Moreno's going to hang in there. We're going to have a scrap, man. A scrap and a half for sure. Uh, I, I'm with you there. Part of me, when I think of that, I think about Volk and Holloway, and we're like, oh, it's going to be another close one, and then mm-hmm. Volk just runs away with it. Yeah, yeah. I think it would be beautiful for one of them to have a performance like that in this one, but I predict, like you, another pretty tough scrap. I think that outside of, I think he has more dangerous weapons overall, Davison. I'm going to also acknowledge Brandon has had to make changes without Kraus. And then also the fact that they're in Brazil. Yeah. I I think that that's going to that's going to be that little bit extra juice for Davison. And I'm not look, he can't bring the crowd into the cage with him. But I feel like that energy, uh, I feel like that's going to push him a little bit more, a little bit differently than the last three. And I think that that's going to help and that's going to lead to the decision. I think that he's just got so much hype and he knows how to channel it and i think that's what we're gonna get so yeah i'm with you there davison by decision then obviously the main event jamal hill trying to take on glover tashira glover gets the brazilian homecoming at this stage of his career which i think is awesome he's up against a very tough and dangerous guy in jamal i mean jamal's had a great run in ufc he's obviously on a roll right now um beating a guy like johnny walker things like that getting those knockouts i think the toughest thing for jamal when you're getting when the fists are connecting everything looks great doesn't it yeah 
Glover is so difficult. I mean, the only guy who really I remember really hurting him like that in a way that was significant was Rumble Johnson. Mm. You, you know, like Rumble was the only guy to really, you know, one, it was like 15 second fight, but he connects on the uppercut and he was out of there. Yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. Yuri couldn't put down Glover with the hands. John Jones couldn't do it. Um, Anthony Smith, Tiago Santos. Jamal obviously can. No one, you know, it, it, it can happen to anybody. That being said, I do have a lot of belief in Glover's conditioning and toughness that I think that what's more likely to happen is Glover closes the distance before Jamal actually connects on that one that does turn the lights out. And in that way, that's where the big challenge is. How does uh, this tall guy like Jamal deal with such a strong, really heavy, really stocky guy in Glover potentially getting on top of him for 25 minutes in Brazil where you're feeling that energy? I think all of that could come into play. Obviously, Jamal, you know he's ready to grapple. He's looked good on the feet. You know he's been training, his wrestling and everything else. I think that's where his age might help him 25 minutes. If he's got to push it a little bit, he can hang. How is Glover feeling after that war of all wars with Yuri Prohoshka? All of that could come into play. But for my money, I do see Glover at least once getting on top of Jamal how does he handle it? I think that's where we'll really find out who's really going to prevail in this one. What about you? Yeah, this is a this is a fun matchup. Look, if you're Jamal Hill, you have nothing to lose, right? This is a win-win. You probably wouldn't have gotten a title shot in January of 2023. Um, you know, had things not worked out the way they did with... Um, uh, no, I can't remember. Jerry and... Um, not Jerry. No, Jan and Magomed. Thank you, thank you. Um, I mean, just probably not because it it just seems like it was a little bit soon. But what do I know? Okay. So it's still a win-win situation. You're in Brazil. Like, you know this card just stacked against you. This is a a, someone who, Glover Teixeira, a just supremely intelligent, experienced veteran who's also still super strong, still very skilled, can get you, can hurt you in every which way. You're in his home country. Um... You know, you're young and you have a lot of momentum. So whether you win or lose, you're still coming out on top. You've still done something amazing that no one probably expected for you to be doing so soon. But I'm thinking Glover, man, he almost defended that, you know, held on to his his belt in that defense against Jerry. It was so close. And now he's in Brazil. This is his chance to win the belt back. He can retire if he wants. He can keep going if he wants. It's all up to him. But this moment, this is the, move, the moment that, you know, people write movies about, make movies about. I think he's going to put it all out there, Glover Teixeira, use every darn asset that he has. His tin is his tin. His chin is still strong as heck, but he'll have to be careful. He can't eat a bunch of punches. He can't get into a position where he's on his back, compromised and, you know, susceptible to a serious ground and pound. So he'll have to use everything he can to keep Jamal Hill at bay and to hurt him when he can. I think Glover can win this, will win this with some via submission. I'm going to say round three. Could be four, but I'm going to say round three. Uh, probably a rear naked choke round three. Glover Teixeira wins the belt, holds it up in Brazil, 
and uh, he can he can walk off into the sunset if he wants, but I don't think he will. I'd be lying to you if I said I. Part of me doesn't. Uh, part of me would hate to see Glover take an L in mm-hmm. Brazil after everything. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't thinking a little bit that way. That being said, um. I also acknowledge all the weapons from Jamal Hill. This is a tough guy, yeah. hungry young dude who knows what he wants out of this one. Um, I think it's going to be a very competitive one early, but I'm actually with you there. I think that Glover's tenacity, his ability to get to that position is going to be what eventually wins this one out. Yeah, I'm going to go with you there. Third round submission for Glover Tashira. All right. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Um. Obviously, look. Like I said, fun card. I expect some really fun matchups to close out. You know that particular card on Saturday. Uh. Next week, believe it or not, like we get so excited, and then it's a full off week from MMA. No Bellator. No UFC. No PFL. What are your thoughts? I'm okay with it. You know, sometimes you need a little break and. Uh... From, from MMA, from the thing you love, to watch some other sports or catch up on some movies. Uh, the Last of Us just premiered last night. If anybody is interested in that, that's something I'll be trying to get into. 1923. You have, know, you, the, uh, have you played the game? My husband has, but I watch. I'm a game watcher. I'm <laughs> a game that. player. So I've gotten sucked in by it uh, for sure because it is some excellent storytelling. So I, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, 1923 comes back, I think, in February. So not yet. But, um, you know, there's some stuff there that I'm happy to, to have some time to catch up on. So not not a, not mad about it, but looking forward to when they come back, too. Uh, I, I want to it's on my queue in HBO Max right now. OK, I like some less. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't play the game. I know it's all that. I love me some Pedro Pascal. Yeah, I'm a big, yeah. you know, the Mandalorian. That's Mandalorian. my dude. Yeah, I will never forgive Naughty Dog. I know that in hindsight, it's the best decision they could have made because Last of Us was like game of the year and number two also did well for them. I'm a 90s kid. So Jack and Daxter for the PS2, that was my jam. (laughs) Like one of my all-time favorite video games. Okay. Have replayed it. Have I owned all three for the PS2. I still bought the remake when they made it for the PS3. That's how much love I have for the series. Um... I will never forgive Naughty Dog because rather than make Jack 4, they went with the decision to do The Last of Us. Okay. (laughs) I know it's a great game and people love it and I'm probably going to love the show because it's Pedro and it's HBO and they're on a roll. But every time, it's always bittersweet. I can't love it completely. Okay, I hear you. It's like having a great girlfriend, but you just can't stand one thing about her. (laughs) I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, but um, no, it's um, yeah, that's how I feel about The Last of Us. But I'm with you there. I I think it's gonna be a good show. But yeah, guys, we'll be back next week. I saw, I guess, Francis Ngannou's gonna be on Eri Hawani's show tomorrow. I'm sure we're gonna have all the tea to discuss besides results. So we'll get into that. Until then, thank you for tuning in. Remember, like, comment, subscribe. We'll be back next week. <laughs>